0: Welcome to the Harmony Perspective,
1: where we talk about real churches with real pastors facing real issues. Hey guys, welcome to the Harmony Perspective. Uh, We are excited again to be with you. Today I'm joined as normal with Patrick and TJ. Hey guys. Hey dude. All right, so you got me wondering... On our last episode, you said that you were Chef Boyardee, and you were cooking all of these HelloFresh meals, Patrick. Uh, Tell me, what have you cooked lately?
0: Chef Boyardee, you got to get on my level. This is (laughs) HelloFresh. So last night, I did cranberry Dijon pork tenderloin with roasted green beans and mashed potatoes, Wow, uh, which my kids hated. (laughs) It sounds pretty good. It does sound good. It was quite good. I, I, the, I think I missed the invite, honestly. Yeah, you did. There's only four servants. I'm yeah, sorry. but your kids hate I eat so. two of them. There's so. only
1: three of us around the table. <laughs> Pretty Just sure right. it
0: works out. HelloFresh is available online for your purchase. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and by the way, if you're wondering, HelloFresh is not an official sponsor of the Harmony Perspective. So, you know, might be getting distracted a little bit with our mm-hmm. conversation um, so today we're going to be talking about one of the major distractions of the church and uh, things that distract us from
2: doing what we're supposed to be doing, which is sending. That's right. So we uh, need to be sending people out, sending our the best of the best, right?
0: The best of the best.
2: So we're going to be talking about today: how do you uh,
1: become a sending church? How do you become a church that sends? others to make disciples.
0: And how do you do that without having people look at you like you got four heads when you say it, right? So it's the cultural shift. And I think the primary way we do this is to get our people. So we talked last time about how the church should be focused on the mission of God, but the body of Christ is made up of individuals. So every individual has to be focused on that mission. Every one of us has been given a sphere of influence where we can share the gospel, where we can be the light in the darkness. And so to shift this culture from one where says, uh, that says, come and hear, to go and tell, we've got to get each one of our people engaged in the mission of God, where they live, work, play, and learn, so that they can see the impact that they can make by being the person that goes.
1: Yeah, so as a pastor, sometimes I'm sure you guys have wanted to stand in the pulpit and say, hey, I wish you would go somewhere. You know, a pastor that's listening, I'm sure you have that one person that you're thinking about now. The Lord (laughs) forgives you of that. But uh, in all honesty, the uh, church does look at you a little bit like wild-eyed when you say, hey, I want you to leave. I want Mm -hmm. you to leave. Um, So let's talk about what it means to become a sending church. It kind of ties back to that topic that we talked about last time is the missional idea of being a sending church. So tell us about that.
0: That's right. For, for each individual, we have to understand that God is a God of mission, that the whole reason that we are saved is because he is so, because he sent Jesus to earth, because he planned to send him from before time began to send his son in the fullness of time to come and die for our sins, On the cross and to be resurrected from the dead and that we would put our faith in him through that process and so then he would send his Holy Spirit Jesus sends the Spirit and God sends the Father sends the Spirit and so we then are called to be a part of this mission. We, we become very egocentric in America when we think that the gospel is about us, like, it, like we're the end point for the gospel. But really, he saves us so that he can then use us in this mission. And so to get people moving on this mission, to get our church moving on this mission, we have to shift the culture from the gospel being about us to the gospel to the church being about us taking the gospel out. That's
1: right. So if the gospel ends with us, then we have failed, right? So if we um, are saved, but we do not in turn share that or send others to share that, then we have failed as a church.
0: And I think it's primarily the responsibility of discipleship to get people to that point. Yeah. Um, Because from the very beginning, your church has to begin to tell people that this conversion that you've experienced this salvation experience is just the beginning and that what we want you to be is somebody that makes disciples of all nations for the glory of God as Jesus commanded in the great commission
1: so in order to be a sending church one of the things that you have to figure out is who's going to lead that you know so if we're going to send others to plant churches Who are we going to send? Now, at Harmony, we had the privilege to be able to send our lead pastor out to to, uh, be part of a a ministry and a gospel ministry in our state. Um, But oftentimes, that's where our mind goes. You know, one of the limiting factors of gospel multiplication is the lack of leadership and the lack of folks to be able to be sent to do that. So, as a sending church, we must identify our best and our brightest. To be able to send out and plant new churches. You know, TJ, that's a, a novel thought. You know, it's not sending the the ones that are a pain in the neck or the ones <laughs> that you feel like, hey, I can lose. Um, we have none of those at harmony, praise God.
2: But the reality is we have to send the best. That's right. And and that's the whole point of discipleship, right? Um to, to help each other grow. But if you're discipling somebody, your desire for them is that they would grow and become more mature in their faith, more mature in their walk, and that they would uh, become more like Christ. And Christ was missional. So we have to expect that disciple of ours that we're discipling to become more like Jesus, to be missional. And that means that that person would eventually move on and that they would disciple somebody else. Now, whether that's in a different church, maybe a different community, different culture even, uh, we have to release that at some point in time. It's That's hard right. to do. Uh, sad oh, no to do doubt. sometimes, but
1: no doubt we I'm, have to do
2: it. It's
1: it's both kind of the mourning, right, as you send, and the celebration, right. So right. there is a loss, right, because you gained a relationship or you developed a relationship with someone. But even more than that, there's a celebration about what could be um, when God uses uh, them to do a, a great work. I think oftentimes when we think about sending, we think about sending staff, or we send about think about sending a pastor. So on average, you know, uh, if your church is a hundred folks, you may have one pastor, right? So if you send the one pastor, you can plant one church, right? But what if we actually turn that paradigm on its head and said, if you have one pastor for every hundred people, what if you sent the hundred, mm. you know, to be able to plant churches? That's right. kind of what we're talking about. So if we're going to be a planting and ascending church, then we have to involve lay leadership. I think in the West. Uh, We have a hard time in America believing that a mechanic could be a missionary or that the police officer could be the pastor. Right. But in all honesty, why not? They can, absolutely. Why not be? So it's exciting to think about how do we um, connect lay leadership. Um, For those who don't know, for me, I've I've served um, 14 years as a bivocational pastor. Um so this is a little bit close to my heart because for me it's always been a fact that I've always worked another job in addition to serving in ministry. Um so there's this whole aspect or this whole idea that's going on right now about intentional bivocational church planting. That's a that's like mm, a, that's a, a, a big mouthful. phrase, right? Intentional bivocational church planting is people who are saying, "Hey, I want to plant a church. I'm an accountant." You know, I'm doing something, uh, you know, I'm working at the local grocery store, but I'm going to plant the church. Um, so there's some really cool ways that that's happening across America right now. When ordinary believers take on the extraordinary task of church planting, um, it, it kind of seems like what Jesus did, right? So Jesus called the tax collector or called the fisherman or called the tradesman and those guys turned the world upside down. That's right. So, so it's Thank pretty you. pretty neat. So there's a couple of things that can be uh, a great benefit of having lay leaders or bivocational leaders leading in uh, church plants. I'll throw out a couple of them. Uh, Evangelism in some ways is more natural because we're not in a church bubble. So we're not working inside of a church around folks who are Christian five days a week. We're working in the grocery store. We're working as a mechanic or the plumber and we're interacting with people. So evangelism can become... um, almost more natural.
2: And that's very true for me. Um Before my job here at the church full time, I was a mechanic and, yeah. and I was able to have conversations with the 70 to 80 employees that I was working with at the shop. And they were really great conversations that I got. And there were several atheists that were at the, at the mechanic shop that I was able to have just genuine conversations with. We were friends and we worked together, and, and we we didn't really fuss and fight about it. We were able right. to have great—but coming on staff at the church, I learned that I have to go seek people to have these same conversations. Oh, sure. Like, I would clock in, and they were there, and they couldn't leave me unless they wanted to get <laughs> fired. You know, Now it's—I uh, legitimately—I'm in this bubble, like you were talking about. Yeah. That's absolutely true. Evangelism was a little easier with me working. No doubt. Um, you would think it would be the other way. The pastor should be able to evangelize so easily, but— and the conversation is a lot more naturally with me working at the mechanic shop.
1: And that's one of the benefits that folks who are being intentional to say, hey, we're going to be lay leaders leading in a church plant being sent. That's one of the benefits they have, not to mention the financial hurdle. So um, the fact is you work a full time job. So the financial needs that the ministry would have to help a pastor to be able to afford, you know, to live and to eat and to serve, that hurdle is gone or much lower um, hey, as as a lay leader, you have the freedom to follow God when and where he says to go. Right. And, um, and there's some freedom that comes from that. Um, so one of the last things I would say is it's awesome to see lay leaders grab hold of church planting because they've never been told that they can't do it that way. I think so many seminary-trained pastors— have sit in classes and learned from professors about the way to do ministry. And in some ways, someone who has never had that benefit is looking at the world with a totally different set of eyes. That's right. And has never been told you can't do it that way. You know, how awesome is that? So I want to encourage you, if you want to be a sending church, don't just think about, I'm going to send my pastor or my associate pastor or my chairman of the deacons. We need to look at every individual that sits in a pew or a chair or watches online as being potential church
2: planters. Absolutely. And and that kind of brings me to, to my point today is about planting incarnationally. So what what does that even really mean? What does that really look like? But that, that what I mean by it really is that individuals would embody and represent the gospel in a community that they would be... Planted in. So, and it looks a little different than the traditional understanding of a church that tries to go and represent the gospel in a community. When we think about traditionally, a church would put on a a kids' event or something like that to try to represent the gospel within a community. This looks a little different in that. The the folks, this, these would be most likely lay leaders. Um, it, it could be a particular church planner, pastor um, that's that's being paid by the church, whatever that looks like. But most likely lay leaders that are sent out from a church that go to a community to either live, work, and play within that community. So they're getting those jobs, like you were talking about, the, the grocery store jobs, the convenience store jobs, the mechanic jobs, and they're working and playing at the playgrounds in this community with the sole purpose of sharing the gospel to the people that they're around right there in that community. And essentially what happens and, and what this looks like is that maybe group homes would start to form. Right. And so the church is kind of being born, if you would want to say, it's being born in that community. It's not that there's a, a building that's already established and you send 30 people to it. It's legitimately a small team and a planner going to live within a community. And they're, they're living there by working there and playing there and being involved there, having those conversations. And then from those conversations, uh, a small congregation is built among them, and that's the church being incarnated there. You know, one of the the things, sorry to speak over you, one of the things that that I've seen, the best
1: church planters I've ever seen not only have a love for the gospel, but they have a love for their city. And before they ever plant a church, they develop a love for the people of their city and a heart and a desire to see the gospel change their city. Mm. And that
2: bursts the excitement to plant a church. That's right. And, and you know, in John 1, it says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Uh, you know, God already existed, but through the incarnation of Christ, he became personal with us in a sense that he took on a human form. He would be engaging with humans differently now. God would be engaging you know, differently with us now. And Jesus engages with different cultures, tearing down barriers that should keep him really from being able to even speak with, you're talking about, you know, the woman at the well, right? Uh, That's right. Shouldn't even be able to speak with her, but yet tears down these barriers so that he can share the gospel. Uh, He can have um, these engaging opportunities with certain cultures or communities. And Stetzer says in the book, Planning Missional Churches, New church plants have an opportunity over established churches that there's no past traditions to cling to. They get to incarnate the gospel in the biblical present. This means that the planter, the church, the church planter, and that team that I was talking about, they get to move into that community or into that culture that's you know there in that community. And instead of moving into a building you know that's already there, they move into this community and they get jobs with the rest of the community. So they they get to the nitty-gritty with everybody else. And literally they get to see lives tra- changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as lives are changed, you start to see small congregations that meet in homes. Maybe it's one home, two homes up, you know, five, however many homes they need. And maybe each homes have 3 to 7 people in it. That's right. Doesn't seem like a lot, but it's all under the same umbrella from that church planter. And so you got three homes with seven people in each home, you got 21 people there that, that are meeting. They're worshiping God. They're talking about God. They're learning. But most importantly, they're being transformed by God. And, and it's so amazing to see that. And one day they may come together and have a, a larger group meeting. They may buy a building and, and start meeting that way. But the plant itself starts incarnationally. It, it's birthed out of that community instead of sending you know, 30 people or 50 people to a community that's already established that just needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ from some individuals. Yeah, and see, that whole idea of micro-sites or
1: micro-church plants, I think a lot of folks uh, tend to dismiss that. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, you know, as a church, an established church, what if you have an apartment complex, you know, two or three miles down the road, that you have one family that comes to your church that lives in that apartment complex, but you know that there's tens or hundreds of people in that apartment complex that do not attend your church or do not have a relationship with Christ. What you're kind of painting the picture is we can plant a church that meets in apartment 301, That's and right. there's 15 people that are beginning to meet in that that are being reached and, uh, discipled and shared with out of that apartment complex, and that's a church plant.
2: That's a church plant. And now you have very personalized meeting groups within that apartment, within these homes uh, where lives are being radically transformed by Jesus, and those people will want to reach other people, their friends, their families, other people within that apartment complex that they know that I may not know, that they can reach that I can't reach. And so what's happening, um, these lives that are transformed— are wanting now to see more transformed lives and it's pretty cool like i said they may grow into a bigger body they may have to move to the um you know whatever that the community clubhouse community clubhouse the, the conference apartment. room yeah. uh, you know or the cool thing to see is whenever some of the ones that have their lives transformed by this is whenever they are given the opportunity to then lead something in their apartment yeah. Into their home, yeah. and so now we went. That's how you get from you know one or two or three homes or one or two or three apartments to five or six apartments, and that same discipleship is happening. That same worshiping of God is happening. The transformation of lives is happening because the gospel is is really going out. And um, to hit back on what you're talking about, uh, often, like you said, we dismiss the fact of the, of the lay leaders can be leaders. like they The ones that, that are not ordained pastors can still share the gospel, uh, they can still lead in worship, and they can still help transform lives through the power of the gospel.
1: That's right. All across the world, we think in America that you have to go to seminary to be able to lead a church, plant a church, um, share your faith, preach. But there's countries all across the world where— Everyday believers, quote unquote, everyday believers, which are rock stars, right. are leading churches, and you know we sit in seminary classrooms, and no knock on a seminary degree, because I think as listeners and even around this table, all three of us have went and got seminary education and taken courses at seminaries, and the reality is that's great and it trains you up, but let's not sit in a seminary classroom waiting to plant a church. Let's get on it, right? Let's right. share our faith and don't and let's dismiss do it now. yourself,
2: right? Don't dismiss. So, if you're listening to this and you're not an ordained pastor, or if you haven't been to seminary, uh, don't dismiss yourself and think you're disqualified from leading in planting, right? I mean. It's your turn. Pick it up. Roll with it. That's right. Go. If that's God's right. calling you, that's the only accreditation you need. Uh, when God calls, it's louder than any seminary degree or any other doctorates or anything you could get. So I, I love that. And maybe in a future episode, we'll talk about the calling
1: uh, of a church planter and um, be able to understand what that means when God calls us to go, and and maybe even share a little bit of our own stories. Um, so we're looking forward to being able to do that. So we shared in our last episode, as an established church, would you pray about being a ascending church? Would you pray about church planting? Would you give to church planting? And would you finally go? Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about the give piece. So in our last episode, Patrick challenged what it looked like to pray for church planting, but I'll tell you what it looks like to give. So not only on a personal level, men and women who are giving to church plants um, we give in our church uh, to uh, Christmas and Easter offerings that are used specifically for missions. So that happens in our tribe, which is the Southern Baptist Convention. You have the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is an international missions offering, where every dollar that's given is uh, goes to be able to plant churches, disciple folks, and be able to to reach the unreached all across the world. Um, but also in a local context, I just want to challenge find a planter. Um, so Harmony has the, the great, uh, story that we have began to, um, to build a relationship with several church planters around, uh, our country. So not only in history, we've had relationships in Anchorage, Alaska, but we also have relationships in Detroit, Michigan. We have relationships in Greenville, South Carolina, and then locally here, um, in the Charlotte Metro area. So, um, we have found a way to give on a monthly basis to help support church plants. So we make it a budget item for our church. So every year we give a monthly check to four church plants um, so that they can um, see their work of the ministry uh, continuing. So for us, we can't go everywhere, right? We can't accomplish our uh, vision, which is to make disciples of all people in all places, but we can give to planters who are in those pockets of lostness so that they can indeed make disciples. So I want to encourage you, you might not can tackle four church plants, right? But can you do one and can you find a way as a church to maybe take up a special love offering for a church planter, or maybe find a way to put in your budget to support a church planter um, to be able to, uh, to do that work. And then on a personal level, if you know someone planting a church, Man, love on them. Send a gift card for that planter and his wife to be able to go to dinner and to do something uh that can mean the world to someone who literally is in the trenches every day, sharing the gospel to the unreached
2: and think about this as well. I know um financials is one of the one of the biggest things uh as far as giving when we think about it, but if you've got some type of team at your church, whether it's a technology team, audio video. Um, streaming person, whatever it may be, Uh, some of these church plants aren't quite big enough to be able to afford some of the necessary equipment or they're struggling having to put it up and tear it down every single Sunday. Um, Can you afford to give of some of your team members to help uh, either train, equip, or just help out in any type of way? That's a pretty big giving aspect as well, Um, just training off. With some knowledge. No doubt. And every church has that closet that's full of stuff that you no longer
1: use. (laughs) Now, I'm not encouraging you to send your junk to the (laughs) nearest church planter, but you may have something of value that a church planter could use. So always look at it with that mindset, too. Can you bless another congregation? Can you bless another church plant? So I think that's all we have today when we think about uh, being a sending church. I want to encourage you, again, to pray, give, go, uh, grab hold of that when it comes to being a sending and planting church, and then you personally... Will you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast? We hope that you're enjoying it. We're enjoying being able to talk a little bit about our perspective and our ministry mindset. But wherever you get your podcasts, if you would subscribe there so you can see the latest and the greatest of all the episodes that are rela- released, uh, rate it. We prefer five stars. That's right, TJ. But we will take your honest opinion and then write us a review. Let us hear what God is doing in your life, and uh, we'd love to hear from you on that. So join us next time as we're looking ahead to talk to an actual church planter, right? That's right. Alive in the flesh. We're excited to talk to one of those guys that we support on a monthly basis. Trail Ross is going to be sharing his story and the story of Pioneer Church. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Join with us next time. See you guys. See
2: you later.